0: Hi guys, and welcome to Don't Fuck With The Original, episode two, with your host, I am Casper. And I am Becky Gremlin.
1: And we are here to bring you all things spooky. This Wednesday. Because Wednesdays are for podcasts. Yes, they are for <laughs> podcasts, which apparently we didn't make that clear, someone <laughs> pointed out. Um, yeah, so we are going to be recording every Wednesday, just Yes, so we make that clear to everybody. So.
0: Um, a lot of people, I want to start off by saying, um, a lot of people have been saying, where's your music? Where's your theme song? We're working on that currently. We have contacted somebody and we are working on that currently. So hopefully, within the next couple episodes, we will have some music to go along with this. That
1: way you guys can be like, yay, the theme music's starting. It's going to be extra spooky. Too. We're really excited so about that, it. Yeah, it's going to definitely fit in line. We hope you guys will like it. Yes. So, fingers crossed. Um, We also want to really thank everybody who supported the first episode. You know, um, me and Casper are huge podcast listeners ourselves, and this is a big dream come true to both of us to be able to do a podcast. We've never done this before. And the support and amazing... uh, Constructive criticisms and opinions that we got from every listener is So welcomed and loved and we have no I- We just want you guys to know that you have no idea how much we appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Thank you. And uh, Please keep listening and please keep letting us know like we love uh, Feedback from mm-hmm. you guys. We love to hear what you guys think about it good bad or indifferent. We're we're totally open so thank you.
0: We have nine subscribers on Castbox already, and ninety-two listens. And for our first podcast, for that to be just a week—that's—I don't. I don't even have words. I really don't even have words. Thank you.
1: Fuck yeah! Thank These you
0: guys. so much for everything. Um, we have been looking very forward to bringing you episode two because I actually keep getting people asking. So, when's your next episode coming out? Yeah. So, we're really excited about that. We're Um, here.
1: Episode 2.
0: We are going to be talking, of course, I've been telling you about this, we're going to be talking about the year 1978, because a lot
1: of crazy shit went down in 1978. Um, We know we're a couple months off. You know, we know it's January 2019, but, uh, you know, last year would have marked 40 plus years since a lot of this shit went down. So, yeah, we definitely want to bring it to you guys. That was a crazy... Crazy fucked up year, to say the least, so. To start off, I would like
0: to make a disclaimer that if you have a faint stomach or don't really like listening to things that are real, not exactly great things to hear, you may not want to listen to all of this podcast. Uh, We are going to be going into some details about some things that happened. Yeah. So, uh, this... Whole actual podcast, we will like let you know when we're doing a little bit more detailed things in the in the future. So um, yeah, me and
1: Casper kind of talked about this a little bit before. You know, we want to let you guys know when we pretty much hope you guys have figured out by now that the whole theme of this podcast is going to be based on horror. So you know, we are going to be talking about things that may make certain people slightly uncomfortable but you know if it is going to be a certain subject matter that we both deem super super like uber sensitive we are going to let you guys know ahead of time so you know maybe if it's like yeah you know I don't want to listen to this or maybe if some of you are listening to this at work and it's like I should probably pop my headphones in before everybody thinks I'm crazy because not safe for work talk (laughs) definitely not safe for work (laughs) Definitely an SFW. So, uh, yeah, we're going to let you guys know ahead of time. So, pop those earbuds in. If you're going to be listening to this at work, this is not... No, 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 no. You're going to be people <laughs> peeking around the cubicle like, Hey, John. Uh, you know, what are you listening to you there, buddy? So... Do you need to talk about something? <laughs> right. So...
0: All right. So, um, Becky Grimlin, yeah, take um, us
1: away. 1978. I'm actually starting this one off. Uh, so... First on the list is my personal favorite, and I hope he's yours too. Um, I have a soft spot for uh, Mr. Theodore Bundy. Uh, Ted Bundy is who we're starting off with. Um, In January to February of 1978, uh, he escaped from prison and committed his final murders. Um, What's really special about this one is uh, tomorrow, actually, coincidentally, on January 24th, will mark the thirty year anniversary of Ted Bundy's uh execution. And uh, it also marks a new Netflix documentary that's coming out coming out called Confessions with a Killer the Ted Bundy tapes. You can't tell me that wasn't strategic um, either. So they uh, did that on purpose. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty <laughs> sure they did. It's like, mm, you know, we've had these tapes for a while, let's sit on it and wait till the, uh, you know, TikTok, TikTok 30, year thirty years. So um also this Saturday, January 26th, um, I don't know when it's actually going to be released for um, everybody to view, but I do know it's going to make it Sundance Film Festival premiere. Um, the film Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile that they shot here in uh, Cincinnati, our hometown, Ohio, U.S., uh, with Zac Efron playing the infamous Ted Bundy. Um, both the documentary and the film were... Uh, directed by a man named Joe Burlinger, um, who, if any of the listeners are familiar with the West Memphis Three case, he directed all of the documentaries that were done about that, the Paradise Lost films um, he was involved in. So uh, hopefully one day me and Casper will be able to do an episode about the West Memphis Three because you wouldn't believe how many people I mention it to and they've never heard of it. So, um, yeah, hope you guys check out the documentary tomorrow. We definitely will. Um, so I'm going to go into a quick little background about Ted Bundy in case most of you don't know. He was born November 24th, 1946 in Vermont. Um, he was raised to believe that his, uh, mother was his sister and, uh, that his grandparents were his actual parents, um, because he never knew who his father was. He didn't actually find out that his sister was his actual mother until he was 23. Um, he still has no idea who his father was. It was actually rumored that his mother was raped by, his, by her own father. So that kind of gives you a little bit into why he may have ended up so fucked up. <laughs> um, in 68 and 69, he had two really pivotal relationships. One of them was with a woman named Stephanie Brooks who uh, had the brown hair with the part down the middle that he met in college that rejected him because she said he was immature, and another woman that initially became his uh, girlfriend until he was incarcerated in 1976. And she is actually featured in the movie Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, that character. Her name is Elizabeth. Um, So they all had that trademark brown hair with the part down the middle that... A lot of you, if you're familiar with Bundy, that was kind of his trademark with his female victims. So, Which is um, funny,
0: because they were talking about Ted Bundy in my roommate's class. She mentioned him And he, her teacher pointed out and said, you would have been his perfect victim. So she's I, like, that's great. I'm so glad to know that he would have come after me.
1: I also would have been, which... I have all kinds of mixed feelings about about that because I absolutely love this man. Um, you know, that was kind of the appeal with Ted Bundy. If you guys, I watched the trailer for the documentary and a lot of, you know, his last few court cases, there were all these like beautiful women that would show up and they're like, you know, he's way too attractive to be a serial killer. He was kind of one of those first ones that didn't look like that boogeyman hiding in the shadows. He was this really good looking brown haired, blue eyed guy that was educated, a young Republican that just you're like, there's no way this guy's a sadistic serial killer that's gonna bash my head in and rape my dead body. He he would never do that. <laughs> like he he would never do that. He would never He do just that to wants me. to bake me cookies. So, right. And take me to the movies. So um So it was actually on December 30th of 1977, not 78, that Bundy escaped from prison for the second time, actually. Um, This time was in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Um, Within 12 hours, uh, he was in Chicago before the jail even realized that he was gone. So he escaped that quick. Um, By January 78, he arrived in Tallahassee, Florida, Um, After that, he rented a room under under an assumed name, which he had many, um, and he couldn't find gainful employment within that time. Um, So about a week after he arrived in Tallahassee on January 15th of 1978 is when he committed his most well-known murders. These were called the Chi Omega murders. They were done on the Florida State University campus. It was one of the sorority houses. Um, The night of January 15th, he bludgeoned and strangled to death 21-year-old Margaret Bauman as well as 20-year-old Lisa uh, Levy. He also that night bludgeoned to death Karen Chandler and Kathy Kleiner, who were both 21 in their sleep, yet those two women actually survived. Um, He also bludgeoned to death Cheryl Thomas, who was age 21, um, but she was bludgeoned to death outside of the Chaya Omega house, still on the Florida State University campus. Um, Almost three weeks later, on February 8th, he drove to Jacksonville, Florida stole uh, in a stolen FSU van. February 9th of seventy eight seventy-eight, he abducted a 12-year-old girl named Kimberly Leach, and he murdered her in Lake City, Florida. Her body was found seven weeks later, 35 miles away. Six days later, in his infamous stolen V.W. Beetle on February 15th, 1978, he was apprehended after being pulled over in a traffic stop in Pensacola, Florida. Um, One thing that I read about Ted Bundy is apparently many of his captures were done because he was a really terrible driver. Um, He just... You would get pulled over for random things like not signaling or driving erratically, like no seatbelt. He was just a really terrible driver. Like, kind of
0: makes you wonder. Maybe that was a good have, thing.
1: Would he have gotten caught? Right. If, if he, he wasn't a, a terrible driver, drive. if he just knew how to drive, <laughs> if he just knew how to drive in a straight line with the seatbelt on, like maybe you would have gotten away with it. So thank God he wasn't. Um, <laughs> he was attacked. If you're by a serial me. killer, don't be a good driver. Yeah, don't be a good driver. <laughs> no not really um, so we're not condoning sorry guys no, no 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 um he attacked the officer uh there was a brief sh- struggle before he was subdued and arrested um there were ids from the female fsu students that he bludgeoned to death along with stolen credit cards and different disguises um that he would carry around with him. um it was reported that When he was arrested, he told the arresting officer, David Lee, I wish you would have killed me. That was a direct quote. Um, After standing trial in 1979 for the Chai Omega homicides, as well as the murder of the 12-year-old Kimberly Leach, um, Ted Bundy was sentenced to death February 10th of 1980. Um, And then he ultimately was executed by electric chair, uh, in uh, Florida State Prison on January 24th at the age of 42. So tomorrow, like I mentioned earlier, would be the 30th anniversary of his execution. That's so crazy, though, so, to
0: think about that. That really is. So tomorrow's been 30 years.
1: It's crazy. Like, <sighs> I really hope everybody, if you haven't seen the trailer yet for the documentary, it looks amazing. I really... Cannot wait for everybody to see this. This is really going to give a deep insight. We are actually going
0: uh, to our episode next week. We're going to cover Ted Bundy in full. Yeah. We are going to use the documentary as part of it um, because we are going to watch that.
1: I didn't want to give you guys too much information. I mean, I wanted to give you a little bit of backstory. A taste. You know, I know a few people may not be familiar with his story, but uh, he was a really interesting guy, so we cannot... And like I said, he is my personal favorite so we cannot wait to do that episode next week yes so so next with casper
0: we have hillside stranglers uh, i don't know if a lot of you have heard of them they're not extremely known
1: um i it's personally, personally a favorite of mine
0: is it really yeah yeah i, I personally like did not know too much i knew a little bit about it but i didn't know too much about it so it was really neat Looking this up and um, learning about this. They committed their final murder in February of 1978. It was Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bueno. They killed 10 women from the ages of around 12 to 28 years old. um, Between October of 1977 to February of 1978. When they decided to just stop. There was no really reason. They just stopped. So, a little bit of backstory on them. Bianchi moved from New York to live with Angelo Bueno um, in Los Angeles. They were cousins. And they decided to become pimps and prostitute women. That was their main source of income. That's what they wanted to do. So, um, they started their first... They had, um... One of their first women was Yolanda Washington. And uh, she let them know. She's like, hey, I have a list of people that might be interested. So she gave that to them. But they could never find any of the people. They could never find anything. And this enraged them. Now, she kind of caught on that something was going on. That they were kind of off. So she actually ran away. They got enraged because of this and they tracked her down and killed her. She was the first kill in uh, 1977. So their last kill in 1978 in February was Cindy Hudspeth. She was raped and tortured and strangled in February. That was their main thing is they strangled um, women to death. And Ken got arrested in 1979 for other, another murder that they got him for, and then they linked that murder back to the, the the Hullside strangler murders. And that's how he got caught. And he was sentenced to life. Both of them, both of them were sentenced to life because they also caught his cousin due to that. So there wasn't really more information on them than that. Besides the list of victims, which my heart goes out to every single one of those families that had to deal with that. Um, But, yeah, they got their final murder in 1978, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. With any of these that we do, you know, our hearts go out to any of these victims. You know, these were definitely senseless crimes. I know that there were rumors with the Hillside Stranglers. There was kind of rumors... um, you know, if if anybody knows more about this, please let us know. But I know there were kind of rumors that, you know, there was a possibility that it, maybe they got Kenneth Bianchi and Angela Bueno wrong. That maybe somebody else might have been involved or other killers would have been involved because they just suddenly stopped and there was really no explanation. But Which
0: kind of brings me to wonder what made them stop.
1: Yeah.
0: Was there a falling out? Did something happen? Was there a third
1: person? You never know. Or was
0: one of them doing it and the other one wasn't? You know, kind of makes you wonder why all of a sudden it abruptly stopped. And then Kenneth was caught the next year from another murder, which they got his DNA linked to the Hillside Strangler murders. And that's what caught him. And I guess they included Angelo Bueno because... They lived together, and they were doing the prostitution ring together, so they were like, well, if he's doing it, he's doing it, too.
1: Right. Not necessarily true, but... Angelo didn't have anything to do with the actual murders, and that maybe he threatened to go to the police on Bianchi and say, like, A, I've got evidence. I know what he's been doing. Maybe he was threatening to turn him in. We don't know, and we'll never know. So, you know, it's one of those things. Nope. Um, so that leads us into the next one, which is, um, about Ted Kaczynski. Another Ted on our list. Um, he... Becky likes her Teds. Was, <laughs> I do like my Teds. Um, this is, uh, aka the Unabomber. Um, in May of 1978, he mailed his very first bomb. Um, he was born Theodore John Kaczynski on May 22, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. Um, he was extremely intelligent um he skipped to the sixth grade after scoring an iq of 167 he graduated high school at the age of 15 and entered harvard at the age of 16 where he earned a bachelor of arts degree in math in 1962 Um, this is something very poignant that I really wanted to point out that I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with, but, uh, I'm kind of, you know, obviously our podcast won't lead into this, but I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. So, um, but this is actually a true story. Um, as a sophomore at Harvard, Ted was subjected to a brutal psychological experiment by a Harvard psychologist named Henry Murray that was later identified as part of the MKUltra CIA Mind Control Research Program. Um, It was suggested by many that this may have been motivation for Ted Kaczynski's later crimes. Um, In his Unabomber manifesto, um, if anybody has ever read it or read part of it, it talks a lot about the fall of the industrial complex. Um, the actual title of it was The Industrial Society and Its Future. And a lot of it may have come back to this psychological experiment that he was subjected to. It was pretty brutal. He was pretty much like just completely, you know, uh, Put down by this this professor that he revered, and what was also not known by the professor at the time was that you know he was only sixteen when he went into college, so he was only seventeen years old when he was subjected to these experiments. So he wasn't even an adult. So think about what that well, left his brain on his wasn't even fully developed exactly. Either, so yes, he had a high IQ, but this is basically a child that you're putting through these. Brutal psychological experience experiments telling him he's worthless and horrible and all these other things. So um, that leads us to May 25th of 1978 when Ted mailed his first bomb addressed to Buckley Christ. He was a professor of materials engineering at Northwestern University in Illinois. It was a return package that Christ ultimately dealed suspicious, so he called campus police. Um, Officer Terry Marker arrived opened the package the bomb detonated exploded and injured markers right or left hand uh but he did live um after that over the next 17 years Ted Bundy sp- or Ted Kaczynski sorry I knew I was gonna She's, my Ted. She, like, like I, told- I said she I loved, I loved her my Ted. I totally knew I was gonna my Ted <laughs> screwed up too many Ted's in 1978 Um, Mr. Kaczynski specifically targeted universities like Northwestern, as well as UC Berkeley, um, airlines and other businesses that he specifically blamed for destroying and over-industrializing the U.S. Um, his nickname, the Unabomber, came from this. Um, he targeted universities, airlines, Unabomber. Um, between 1978, and 1995, Ted mailed, delivered, or delivered himself a series of 16 bombs between Illinois, Utah, Tennessee, California, Washington, Michigan, Connecticut, and New Jersey. Um, He was ultimately apprehended after his own brother, David, saw his published Unabomber Manifesto and realized that the writings were very similar to letters that he had received from his brother. Ted was convicted January 22nd of 1998 after pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty. He is currently serving eight life sentences at the ADX Florence Prison in Colorado. Wow. Yep. He was an interesting guy. (laughs) It really does make you think, though, like being under some mind something like that under being seventeen years old. You guys research MK Ultra CIA mind control experiments. I know that's kind of off kilter with horror, but it's really gonna fuck you guys up when you realize that it's a part of of horror though, because it's psychological. It's 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 incredibly horrific what a lot of these men who served our country were given these either given drugs or put under these horrible psychological experiments that lasted longing. Some people even killed themselves after this. So, you know, you got to think Kaczynski was put through this at the age of 17. Who knows if that would have led to him becoming what he became and ultimately feeling like murdering people served an ultimate purpose in his mind. You know, you don't know what he's thinking. Yeah.
0: You really don't. Nope.
1: So next have we
0: have my personal favorite. Jeffrey Dahmer, he is my favorite. I, again, I don't condone anything that he did, but something about him, just the psyche psyche behind all of it, just, it blows my mind. Uh, He committed his first murder in 1978 in June, in the summer. He was 18 years old. He had just graduated three weeks prior to this. He, this is his only murder that he did in Ohio, Um, He was born in Wisconsin. Me and Becky were actually just talking about this. He was born in Wisconsin, moved to Ohio in 66, and then he actually went back to Wisconsin. But before that happened, he actually did his first murder in 78. His name was Stephen Hicks. He was also 18. He actually picked him up off the side of the road. He was a hitchhiker. He was going to a concert. Um... And Dahmer was like, hey, we should go drink at my house first. And we should, you know, just chill out. So Hicks actually wanted to go. So he ended up going with him. They chilled out at his house. And they had a few drinks. And Jeffrey Dahmer didn't want him to leave. So, you know, in my opinion, when someone doesn't want to leave, you usually like, you know, you should stay. But no, this is not what Jeffrey Dahmer does. Jeffrey Dahmer hits him with a dumbbell. And from twice from behind, he strangled him to death with the dumbbell bar. He stripped him and then masturbated over his dead corpse. And also disclaimer, if you did not know, Jeffrey Dahmer actually was a homosexual. He was gay. And part of the reason why I feel like he committed these murders was because he didn't know how else to be with a man because in his, in his heart, he, this, I mean, this was back in the seventies. He probably felt like he couldn't come out with it. He would be looked on weird. He would be ridiculed. He would be made fun of. So in his mind, he probably thought this is the only way I'm going to get the love that I want is if they're not conscious, which is sad. Honestly, it's very,
1: very, very sad. Um, Like, not only did he not know how to deal with just regular social interactions, he was also an alcoholic. And on top of what Casper just mentioned, he was gay. And really did not know how to deal with that. Didn't, Didn't know how to come out. Didn't know how to tell people. And this was really around a time where... You know, it was still sort of, you know... Not to be punny here, but closeted. Yeah, totally closeted. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that's kind of what makes us... We were talking about this earlier. It kind of makes us sympathize. Like we said, we definitely don't condone and, you know, our hearts out to the victims, but it does make you sympathize with him a bit. Well, it's it's the whole... Like I said, it's the whole psyche
0: behind it. Something is making him feel like this is okay. There's a part in his brain that's going... This is all you... This is the only way you're going to get this. And so... Um, well, the next morning after he committed his first murder, he dissected his body. He buried the the remains in the backyard. Weeks later, dug him up and then took the flesh from the bone, dissolved it in acid, threw the bones in the woodland behind his home. And that was his... Introduction to what he started doing, which a lot of you probably know what he started doing. he When he went back home to Wisconsin and he started, like, fully coming on and murdering people, he would cut them into pieces and save parts of their bodies in his refrigerator and eat them. That's, he
1: he would eat them. Um, He wanted them to be a part of him. Right. If you ever listen to interviews that he did, that was his way of feeling like they were, he was keeping them.
0: Raping the corpses wasn't enough. He had to, he felt like a part of them was inside him when he would eat them. Right. And again, it's just sad. It's just sad that he thought that was... You know how it went. And we are going to do a full episode on Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. I don't want to go. I'm like Becky here. I don't want to go too far into him. Like I didn't want to go too far with Bundy. I want to give you guys
1: a little bit, but not too much because yeah, we, we're going to do our episode next week, but we definitely, we will have a
0: full episode on Jeffrey Dahmer and, um, the way he got caught and everything like that is actually kind of dumbfounding. It's crazy. In a way, because of what happened. Yeah. But, uh, we actually are from Ohio, so the, you know, part that, that his only, one and only, he had one, the, one murder in Ohio, it's kind of neat that it was here. It, uh, north of
1: us, but still, it was here, so. And then after that, he went to OSU. Go Buckeyes! <laughs> o- O-H-I-O! H-I-O. Sorry!
0: people are getting. Are guys. we from <laughs> Ohio or are we from Ohio?
1: <laughs> people are going to be like, "What? Jeffrey Dahmer went to Ohio? <laughs> he dropped out, guys." Anyway, he did. He dropped out. I don't know if that helps, but uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so Yeah, that's that's the taste
0: we have on Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. He he just committed his first murder in 78, but it went on yeah. for a little while longer, yeah, it's but crazy.
1: We'll have a whole episode on him. Don't worry about that. Um so in uh this is this was another thing that kind of crazy happened in 1978 um also to someone that happened to be homosexual don't really know how much this ties into horror um but it does sort of segue nicely into a story that casper is going to go into afterwards but um Harvey Milk was assassinated uh, in November of 1978. Little bit of a backstory on Harvey Milk. He was the first openly gay elected official in the history of California. He was elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Uh, He was once a part of the hippie counterculture in the 60s. He moved from New York to San Francisco in 72, took advantage of the growing political power, um, as well as the migration of gay and bisexual men to the Castro District of San Francisco, which was actually one of the very first gay neighborhoods in the U.S. Um, Although he was pro-LGBTQ as a politician, um, his politics and activism uh, really weren't centered around a lot of lgbtq uh, politics uh coincidentally enough um he won his seat as city supervisor in san francisco in 1977 alongside mayor george muscone um uh, and a bill to ban discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation from public housing and employment so basically um, if you were gay, bisexual, what have you, you would be able to move into whatever home or have whatever job you want. Um, he was sworn in uh, as the first openly gay man to the U.S. to win an election as a, in public office. Um, in that same year, he was elected with a single mother, a Chinese-American, and an African-American woman, um, which were all first in the city of San Francisco. Um, also a man by the name of Daniel White, who was a Vietnam vet and a former firefighter and police officer was elected that same year. Um, there was a falling out between Daniel White and Harvey Milk. This plays a very pivotal role. Um, there, Milk, after Milk decided to switch his vote on a mental health facility that he originally had agreed upon with Daniel White, White lost on the issue and from that point That's what started problems between the two of them. Um, On November 10th, 1978, Dan White resigned um, uh, from the San Francisco uh, Board of Supervisors, citing that his salary was not enough. After he went to a failed business venture, he asked the mayor, Mayor Moscone, to resign his withdrawal, Um, but after Moscone initially agreed and then got intervention from other supervisors, namely Harvey Milk. Moscone decided to not reinstate White and appointed someone else. Um, White on November uh, 27, 1978, the exact date that he was to be replaced. Uh, He entered City Hall. He walked into Mayor Moscone's office. He shot him in the shoulder, in the chest, and twice in the head. He walked out of his office, found Harvey Milk in the hallway, and after reloading his police-issue revolver with hollow-point bullets, shot Milk five times, including twice in the head. Harvey Milk was 48. Mayor George Moscone was 49. Within an hour, White called his wife, met her at a nearby church, and he turned himself in. Um, Daniel White, at the age of 32, was charged with two counts of murder. He showed no remorse at the time of the murders, but he did cry during his taped uh, confession. So what's kind of interesting about Dan White is that um, even though he was a Vietnam vet and a former police officer and firefighter, he used what was later known as the Twinkie defense. Um, His attorney, Doug Schmidt, stated that his mental state had deteriorated after numerous nights of binging nothing but sugary junk food. That's me on a daily basis. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, seriously, who doesn't love a Twinkie? Uh, never thought about going and shooting two people in the head after I have to be one. honest, I don't like Twinkies. So, um, oh, I love me some Twinkies. H- hate on me all you want. I don't actually like Twinkies. Y'all ever had deep fried Twinkies? Ugh! It's almost better than sex. Just saying. Just saying. I'm a fat kid at heart. I'm just saying. I mean, in all reality, when Um, it comes down to it, food is life. I mean, it really is. So, uh, yeah, so I could not make this up, guys. Please just Google Twinkie defense. And, yeah, so he actually tried to use this as a defense. Um, Don't really know if that's what necessarily worked, but, guys, he was acquitted of first-degree murder on May 21st, 1979, he was only found guilty of voluntary manslaughter, sentenced to seven and a half years, but on good behavior and time served, he only served five years Bitch, for so you're brutally te- murdering two people. Bitch,
0: so you're telling me I can murder somebody and then just binge junk food and use that as an excuse and get acquitted?
1: Apparently. Yeah, don't do that, guys. That's don't, not, please don't, don't do, do that. that. Please don't do that. We don't recommend anybody That's doing That's kind of crazy, though, the fact that that's kind of pretty much that's what pretty happened. That's pretty much exactly what happened. And that's pretty much people that protested after this, that's pretty much exactly what they said. Hey, if you want to murder somebody, just eat a bunch of junk food and say that's why you did it. I mean, I'm going to sit here and say I'm fat because I eat a bunch of junk
0: food. <laughs> that's kind of an actual...
1: You know, I exercise till my body falls off after I eat a bunch of junk food. That's what I do to cook. But I'm not, I'm not going to go murder somebody and just be like, oh,
0: by the way, it's because I ate a bunch of
1: junk food. Yeah. So I, I couldn't make this up, guys, if I tried. I, I literally knew, I literally knew very much of anything about the Harvey Milk case out outside of the Sean Penn movie that came out a number of years ago. But, um, uh, Mr. Dan White, uh, I guess apparently at some point in his life felt guilty for what he did because on October 21st, 1984, 85, rather, a year and a half after his release from prison, he killed himself at the age of 39. He, He um, it was carbon monoxide poisoning. He locked himself in his car in his ex-wife's garage and, uh, killed himself. So I'm pretty sure at some point he, he, realize, like, wow, I can't believe I only served five years in prison for brutally murdering two people. I kind of think that eats away at you. It
0: really does. Oh my god, like, it I would have to. Have to away. Away. Are it you kidding? You? You? It would have to. Like, it would have to at some point. Like, That's what makes serial killers so interesting to me, though, is because some people just look at them like trophies, where they don't look at them like anything,
1: and they have no remorse, and then you have other people who it just eats them This away. guy clearly had remorse yeah. for what he did. You know, it ruined his entire life, ruined his life after this. Um, So there's kind of a side note, like I mentioned earlier, that will go into uh, Casper's next story. Um, I I had mentioned that uh, Dan White resigned from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors on November 10th of 1978, even though later he asked for his job back and didn't get it. Um, His original replacement was supposed to be announced on uh November 18th. Uh remember it wasn't announced till November 27th when the murders happened. Uh but the reason why it was not announced on November 18th is because on the 18th and 19th is when the People's Temple cult mass suicide happened. So they actually cut in and aired the news footage from that suicide. Uh, and that's what delayed Dan White's announcement and the ultimate murders that happened. Um, Harvey Milk, coincidentally, was actually a one-time supporter of the People's Temple because they were originally based out of San Francisco. Um, He was once quoted of telling his own volunteers in 1976, make sure that you're always nice to the People's Temple. If they ask you to do something, do it, and then send them a note thanking them, for asking you to do it. And in 1978, before he was murdered and before the cult murders happened, he actually wrote a letter to President Jimmy Carter at the time telling him how wonderful the work that the People's Temple had done in San Francisco and how great of a man Jim Jones was. Which brings me to the next story. Figured that'd be a nice little uh, segue point for everybody. Because if you didn't know about this case, you're about to know. And it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. this is
0: not... I have to say, probably out of everything that we have talked about and are going to talk about tonight, this is one of the most... But this is one of the saddest things I've ever this heard is a of. tough one for me, personally. Um, read about, and I knew about this before reading about it, um, it's called the Jonestown Massacre. This happened in November of 1979, like, or, 79, 78, like she said. They were the cult of the People's Temple, and they were led by Jim Jones. Um, now... I want to go ahead and point out the fact that there is an audio audio recording of this event. I have heard it. Becky has heard it. We are not going to play it for you on here. I will link a uh, link to the actual audio recording on YouTube, on Twitter, and Facebook. Listen at your own risk. It is not an easy listen. No. The first time I heard it, I actually didn't know what I was listening to, and that's what... Brought me to read into what happened. I just heard a guy, which was Jim Jones. I, he was he was talking to the people about how, and I could even I can give you exact quotes. He told people that, um, basically, what was going to happen is he wanted everyone to commit suicide to end their lives on their terms. And not give in to capitalism, but support socialism. He even said, um, you need to go out on your own terms down in history because it's your commitment to refuse capitalism and support socialism. He said it is better to die with dignity because death is preferable to 10 more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead, you would be glad to be stepping over tonight. He had these people convinced that it was better to die than and to do it on their terms than to live in the world at that time. The reason why this is so sad is because 918 people died that day. The recording is hard to listen to because you're listening to children screaming for their parents because their parents are drinking this cyanide poisoning and just dropping. They're forcing it to their children. Uh, infants. I'm talking infant children. The actual first person who took it, uh, her name was Roulette Paul. And she had a one-year-old infant. She killed herself and fed it to her infant. Um,
1: I think that was actually the... Most murders of any U.S. citizens prior to September 11th. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. So, that was a whole... So, you gotta think from 1978 to to 2001. 33 year difference? Yeah. Wow.
0: And this was done... This was done
1: voluntarily. Well sort of voluntarily, sort of not, he did kind of force people to do it. Well, and that's why we tell you guys that the tape is so hard personally for us to listen to because out of those 918 people, a third, a third of those people, meaning over 300 people were under the age of 13. So that woman that was holding her one-year-old had a semi-automatic rifle pointed at her head And was basically told, if you don't drink this poison and give this poison to your baby, we're going to shoot you both in the head. So, these, you know, that came out years later. It was always thought that these people did this voluntarily in order to serve Jim Jones and enter into this next life. But really, in reality, these people had guns pointed at their heads, and they were forced to do this. And
0: you're hearing, what you're hearing is screaming of the children who a are watching
1: their parents die. Of babies suffering and watching their parents die. And I'm, I'm sorry. If you guys, I've heard it. I've listened to it. If you guys want to listen to it. I
0: will link it. We will, I will have the link, it, link yeah.
1: available. But... You know, what's kind of crazy about this whole case is that when Jim Jones originally wanted to start this group, he sort of kind of wanted to start uh, essentially what was known as the time of like a rainbow coalition. He was a white man from Indiana, and he really wanted all races to join together and be together. His original vision was actually very beautiful, wanting whites and blacks and Asians and people of all races during a very tumultuous civil rights time to come together and live together and peacefully. Is one in this beautiful utopia but over time his views became very skewed and insane and also what a lot of people may not know is he was on drugs the man when you're listening to that tape you're listening to the stark raving screams of a madman that is high on meth that he would shoot himself up daily he was he became absolutely insane and disillusioned and extremely high on drugs so you're not listening to a coherent, sane person on those tapes. He literally thought the government was out to get him, and that was what he used against those people. Which was the whole them, thing about him being like, you know, you need to support
0: the... Sociali- socialism yeah. and, and everything. His capitalism, yeah. like, you don't want to live 10 more days in this life. exactly. Um, so lastly, I just wanted to point out when they found... Everyone that had passed, he, Jim Jones, was actually found with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So, he didn't even do it. He actually just shot himself, which, if you're, if you're a leader, if you're, if you're leading your people to do something and you just go completely against it. It's a bitch-ass way out. That's just, that's kind of a dick move. Yeah. To do that, and he was pathetic. It's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad how that whole thing just turned out. And like I said, I will upload the recording to, I will link it to the site. But I do warn you, it is very hard to listen to. Because yeah. you know what's happening, and a bunch of children are just screaming.
1: I told Casper personally, I don't have children, but I absolutely love love kids, and I just you know we we have young family, and we just we love you don't have to have kids to love kids no nope. and if you have a heart and you're a halfway decent person, <laughs> if you hear anything about children being hurt or harmed in any way, shape or form, you like us just it's going to be difficult to handle, but, um, it is pretty interesting. It's interesting. At the very least, it's interesting to listen to his reasonings for this. And, you know,
0: you do hear him speak at the beginning. You do hear him speak before it yeah, starts happening.
1: Exactly. Cause it actually will get quiet when it starts happening at first. And then when people start to realize what's going on and the guns come out and the poison comes out. Because actually, one thing he would do is he would make his temple go through drills. He would make them... He would bring out Kool-Aid and would make them drink it and would tell them that it was poison in it to test them. He would make them go through drills like that. Yeah, this guy was... This guy was crazy. You know, it's kind of fucked up when you think about, you know, we'll do episodes later on, guys, about cults and, like, this one, you know, the Manson murders, and it's pretty crazy when you can get groups of people that are really susceptible to one very, very, very charismatic leader, and you add certain elements into that, and it's pretty crazy how people can be susceptible to that. It can very well easily happen. Hashtag Scientology. Anyway, um, so I'm um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting caught up on Leah Remini. It's been a crazy week. Um, <laughs> we should we should do an episode on that. <laughs> we should. It's kind of horror. A little a bit. Little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Oh my God! We're gonna have Scientologists after us. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that in itself is a horror movie. Um, so that leads us to uh, December of 1978. Uh, was, uh, Mr. John Wayne Gacy, guys, the killer clown himself. Um, this was the month and year that he was essentially caught and confessed. Um, John Wayne Gacy, little backstory on this guy. Um, he was born on March 17, 1942 in Chicago. Uh, he was very close to his two sisters and his mother, but his father was extremely alcoholic and physically abusive to the family. Um, he married his first wife in 1964, moved to Iowa, and coincidentally managed a chain of Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurants. This will actually segue back around, because his last meal before he died was a bucket of KFC chicken. So, he really loved his KFC appearance. Shout out to KFC. They Shout have out to KFC. Chicken. KFC's got some finger-licking good chicken. Um, 1968, when he was uh, still living in Iowa... Um, He was convicted of sodomizing a 15-year-old boy. He was sentenced to 10 years, only served 18 months after being granted parole. Uh, During that time, his first wife and his children left him. In 1971, after his parole ended, he moved back to Chicago, into the home that he ultimately ended up committing all of his known murders. Um, He lived in that home with his second wife and his mother. His second wife was a divorcee who had two children of her own. Um, John Wayne Gacy was an active member of Democratic Party politics. Um, He even infamously met uh, Jimmy Carter's wife, First Lady Rosalind Carter, May 6, 1978. There's actually a picture out there if you guys Google it. Um, while he was also a member of the local Moose Club, this is when he started performing as Pogo the Clown, which is why I mentioned the Killer Clown moniker that a lot of people know John Gacy by. He's sort of known as that Killer Clown figure because he would dress up as Pogo for different children's parties. Um, he ultimately killed 33 men. Um, there were 29 bodies discovered in the crawl space of his home in December of 1978. Four more bodies were found in the De Plains River, uh, not far from the home. Uh, already having murdered 32 men starting in 1972, suspicions around John Wayne Gacy started to arise when a young boy by the age of 15 named Robert Peast Went missing. He actually became uh, Gacy's 33rd and final victim. Witnesses saw Peace leave with Gacy on December 11, 1978. After Gacy entered a pharmacy that Peace worked at, he was coming in there inquiring about workers for a contracting job. Gacy uh, owned his own construction construction business when he moved back to Chicago. Um, he killed Peace that day on December 11, 1978. Um, and he had actually run out of room in the crawl space of his home, so he dumped his body in the De Plain River. He was one of those four victims. Um, Even though Gacy was actually questioned about the murder, he vehemently denied it, and when a search warrant was issued for his home, um, they checked his record, and that's when they found the prior prison sentence of him uh, raping the 15-year-old boy in Iowa. Um, During that search warrant, they found uh, trophies from other victims. Um, They didn't arrest him at that time because even then there wasn't a lot of evidence, but they did start to put up surveillance around his home. So cops started to watch him as of December 13th of 78. Um, When they started to collect more evidence, there was a former employee of his that actually came forward and testified Um, that he had been assaulted by Gacy. Um, So, Gacy started to become extremely stressed and started cracking under the pressure. He just couldn't deal with it anymore. So, on December 20th of 1978, prior to a second search warrant being issued on his home, he went to his lawyers and he confessed to the 33 murders. On December 22nd, he confessed to police and he was formally arrested. Um, between December 22nd, 1978 and March 16th of 1979, the 29 bodies were discovered in his home in the crawl space before the house was demolished on in April of 1979. Um, between June 78th and April 79 is when they found the four bodies in the Deplaine River. Um, on March 12th of 1980, Gacy was found guilty of the 33 murders sentenced to death Um, he was on death row until May 10th of 1994. It is crazy how long some of these guys sit on death row. I mean, 14 years, and that's all taxpayer money paying for him to just sit there in prison, and he murdered 33 people. Um, as I mentioned before, his last meal was a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, and his words before he was executed by lethal injection were kiss my ass. So there That's you a go. Solid
0: man, right there. That's what he wanted the world to know. After so that was his Mr. chicken.
1: That was Mr. John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown himself. After his finger licking chicken told his story to was always very interesting to me. Yeah. I, I, I liked reading about him. He was kind of a, kind of a crazy guy. He was kind of another one of those that it's sort of crazy how we did a lot of these that kind of talked about sexuality. And he was another one of those that, like, a lot of the ones we've really, talked about are actually homosexual. Like he proclaimed to be bisexual. He actually told his second wife that he was bisexual after they got married. He told her that he would no longer have sex with her anymore. So he only started to sleep with these boys that he murdered. It was really crazy, yeah. So he was another one that, like... And even if you tried to, like, question his sexuality, he would get... If you tried to say he was gay, he would get really, really angry about it. I mean, like, try to fight you about it. But clearly, you were sleeping with men, so... Right. Call that whatever you want, but it ain't straight, folks. So <laughs> something is
0: awry. <laughs> something is a myth. All right, and it brings us to our last one. Um, I'm going to call him the London Dahmer, which actually I think he is called. This is pretty. This is pretty fitting. The London Dahmer. Guy. He's also actually known as the Muswell Hill Murderer as well. His name is Dennis Nilsen. Excuse me, I apologize. He did his first murder in December of 1978, which is funny because we just actually talked about Dahmer, who did his first murder in June of 1978, and these two men are extremely similar. Yeah, so like six months later. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, he was a, they actually call, they actually have under his description a Scottish necrophile. He's from Scotland. But he moved to London. That's where all of the murders happened, was in London. He killed 12 men from 78 to 83. His first victim was Stephen Holmes in December of 1978. They met at a bar. Sound familiar? They met at a bar after deciding he needed company from being home alone and drinking a good amount. So, again, does that not sound familiar? Um... Holmes couldn't buy alcohol because he was too young. He was, he was at the bar, but he was too young. So Nelson was like, "Hey, um, do you want to come over and drink with me?" So he actually came over to his house and drank with him that night. They eventually drank so much that they fell asleep. Nelson woke up the next morning, strangled Holmes because he didn't want him to leave. So he did it while he was sleeping because he was afraid if he awoke and he saw him, and realized what happened, then he would leave. So he, sorry, he, I don't he, mean to
1: look at you crazy, but sorry guys, because I just totally figured something out, and I don't know if we even like mentioned this, but go on. Okay, so this gives even more into the into the Dahmer Nielsen. Okay, so. What did you say that guy was? That was his first murderer's name. What
0: was his name? I put it together just now too when I read his name, Stephen Holmes.
1: And what was the name of Dahmer's first victim?
0: Stephen Hicks. And it's not. I literally almost feel like I'm telling you guys the exact same guys, story. I just can't right now. I feel like I'm telling you the exact I just can't same right story. Now, guys. I'm sorry. He didn't do I it with a
1: dumbbell. That. I just but. I'm sorry. That's why my face looked like that cuz I was like when I
0: read when I was like Excuse going me? over like who they were and I was like Stephen Holmes I'm like wait. Dahmer Dahmer. Dahmer's
1: first Dahmer's <laughs> first murder was Stephen Hicks. And they both said that they did it because they didn't want mm-hmm. them to, to leave.
0: leave. <laughs> If you didn't know this already, Dennis Nilsen was actually a homosexual as
1: well. Yeah, this is crazy, um, guys. Like...
0: So he literally woke up the next morning. He strangled him because he didn't want him to leave. Once he was unconscious, he actually drowned him in a bucket. Which, if you read on Dennis Nilsen, that was mostly what he did. He would strangle till they were unconscious and then would drown them in a bucket. Not really sure why he would do both. But I guess that was just his way of doing it. Um... He also masturbated over the corpse, twice, before storing it in the floorboards for eight months. And then... Ew. Uh, Can we... First of all, let's just talk about smell. Totally segueing right now, but am I the only one who watches The Walking Dead and is like, does no one care about the smell right now? (laughs) (laughs) Does no one even... Think about... They mentioned it, like, twice in the first season, and then it was forgotten about. Okay, so, um... So, eight months. You have yeah. a body. You have a body in your house for eight months. I don't
1: know what a dead... I mean, I don't know what a de- decomposing corpse smells like. They say it's one of the I worst smells in the world. I think it's, like, literally the worst smell ever. Besides burning flesh, I have heard it is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the worst. Ever. I guess he just couldn't take anymore after eight months. I don't know. I mean, you know, how much, how much fucking... You can't... Look, guys, you can't Febreze decompose. <laughs> look. You can Febreze out a lot of shit, guys.
0: If you're gonna do the bird box challenge with the Febreze commercial thing, right. where you're gonna put on the blindfold and you're gonna try to smell something with the Febreze... Um, I would just like to say that you're going to know when it's a dead body.
1: Febreze challenge. Decomposing bodies. Spray some Febreze. No, you're going to smell the decomposing body gas. Guys, there's no amount of fucking Febreze that's going to cover that shit up. Just, just saying. It's kind of like the whole, kind of like the whole Ed
0: uh, Ed Gain thing when the police came into his house and were like, what's that smell? And he said, it's the dead bodies in my basement.
1: Dale Gain, we will be doing an Ed yes, Gain episode, guys.
0: Ed Gain is not actually a serial killer. No, he actually he only, only killed, killed two killed people. Two people. Huge inspiration for Norman
1: Bates. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Silence of the Silence of Lambs. Lambs. Like guys, this guy. To think that he's not as well known as most people do would think, but inspired. A whole trove of horror movies is insane. This guy was pretty fucked up.
0: So anyway, sorry. Yeah. Ed
1: Gain. Sorry. Ed Gain will be happening. You guys are going to love that one. Um, love so that he
0: one. stored it in a the A lot horror- of
1: masturbation in that one, too. I just happened to notice we've been talking a lot about <laughs>
0: Well, sorry, like, like we said, though, Nilsson of- and Dahmer both, I literally feel like I'm reading been a this lot of jacking stories. off, guys.
1: Been a lot of jacking off, just saying. Um, a lot of jacking off. Well,
0: they only jacked off for, like, the first murder. Serial killers, they started raping raping like, dead bodies. That. Oh, yeah.
1: but They, like, um, jack off and then rape dead bodies, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
0: Oh, Lord.
1: Um, hey, you, got, you guys, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh.
0: Truth. You me. can't let
1: it get too dark. You gotta laugh. No, you can't, because it will
0: get to you if you do. So, eight months he was in the floorboard, and then he built a bonfire and burned it in 1979. So, you literally have where he buries the body, digs it back up, and does something else with it. This man probably didn't even know who Jeffrey Dahmer was at this point, because no one knew. I mean, he just did his first murder. He he killed quite a few uh, I think it was actually, wasn't it 18? did Jeffrey Dahmer kill 18 people? I'm, check,
1: I'm fact checking, guys. Um, so anyway, there was no oh, way he wasn't even caught. Right 17. 17. 17. by one. Okay, Good job.
0: So um, he killed 17 people while Nilsen only killed 12. But their first murder is so similar. And they didn't even know who each other was. Yeah, that's a little too crazy. So that's, that's kind of crazy to me personally, to be almost six months off, and then literally, I literally felt like I was reading the same story to you, because it is so, so similar, where they both lured their victims home with alcohol, drank with them, wanted them to stay, and then they murdered them, masturbated over their bodies,
1: buried them,
0: dug them back up, and got rid of them a different way.
1: Well, and then you have the, not only that, the link to both being homosexual, maybe the, the whole uncomfortable with that part of it, and then, again, and then the alcoholism. Yep. The alcoholism, you know, you say, a lot of these, you know, some of these murderers, they were either, you know, Jim Jones was a drug addict, Jeffrey Dahmer and Dennis Nielsen were alcoholics, so... Who's to know if there's links to substance abuse, nature versus nurture, all those things? Well, it's just like... Um... I'm not saying one causes one no. over the other, but, you know, you got to think... There's, there's so many different links out there. There's so many that ultimately they come together and it kind of gives you an insight and an idea why they did what they did, you know, which is... Why we have the interest that we do in serial murders and why not only with this year falling into play the way it did with last year being 2018 and 78, 40 years ago being so fucking crazy, but just also kind of going into our interest, interest and in why we're going to be talking about serial killers is again, like we mentioned many times over because we want to just make it very clear to people that we don't condone what they did, but we do think it's very important to understand why they did what they did. Because as we saw with Dahmer and Nielsen, you will find similarities. You will find traits and similarities within these serial killers that can all be put into an index and used to identify to hopefully either prevent or catch more in the future. Which is, what's that statistic? Like, how many serial killers do you walk by? Six. Like, I think it's day. six. Of course, <gasps> we just
0: talked about that. Dahmer was from, well, he was from Wisconsin, but he was in Ohio. Yeah. Went to And,
1: OSU. yeah, he went to OSU. And there's been, other I know we kind of half mentioned Manson, but Manson, even though he didn't live here long, was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yep. November 12th, he was born. So... Cincinnati is not far. Yeah, uh uh-uh, uh, not <laughs> at all, guys. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just, and
0: also, I wanted to mention, too, while we're on the topic, this topic, uh, Mine Hunters on
1: Netflix. Oh my God, please. Everybody if needs to watch. That. You
0: have an interest in serial killer minds, and actually, it's based on a true story. It's actually based on a true story as to how the FBI got their profiling. Because, I grew up on criminal minds. I've always been, like, into the
1: criminal mind. I wanted to be a criminal psychologist, actually. So I studied I studied forensic psychology and sociology pretty heavy. Just on my own, of course, normal high school classes. But, yeah. when That was definitely something that connected us. When you said that you watched it, I'm like, I was heavily into criminal psychology. Actually, Dr. Helen Morrison, which you know, I left off on John Wayne Gacy on my store on my side was the uh she was a big inspiration for me, um, as a forensic psychologist. She actually um has John Wayne Gacy's brain. He left her before he was cremated, left her his brain to see if there were possibly any abnormalities that she could study. So she was a big inspiration for me. So I've always been very fascinated, never in Obviously, what they did was brutal and horrific, but there was definitely something more to it than them just being, oh, well, they're just evil or oh, well, they're just bad people. You can't dismiss it as that, especially if you have cases like I said of Bundy, where pretty much raised in an all but normal family and was pretty much wealthy and affluent. And you know, Bundy pretty much all but you know, maybe a few inconsistencies here and there kind of grew up in a somewhat normal family. I mean, well, every family going to have their inconsistencies. Well, yeah, a few things, so. but they weren't, they weren't really like, <coughs> they weren't like Gacy said, you know, Gacy grew up with this horrible, alcoholic, physically abusive father or some other cases. Like you hear about Richard Ramirez, who was horribly abused as a child and, you know, other murders. Well, Donner and he really heard.
0: wasn't abused
1: too no, much either. He, no, he wasn't, his mom was a really. little crazy. But... Mom was a little cuckoo. Yeah. yeah, Mom was a
0: little crazy, but other than that, he was really just a backwards kind of guy. He really wasn't... He was to himself. So... But yeah, Mindhunters is definitely something you should check out if you're interested in that. Well, and what's the other one? You know, I don't... How did you... My Friend Dahmer... I... Oh, yeah, I actually... I'm really glad you brought that up, because I meant to bring that up. If you have not seen My Friend Dahmer, it gives a very solid backstory on Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Shows how awkward he was in school. Shows a little bit of how cuckoo his mother was. Yeah. Um, It does show... It doesn't show... It shows him the ending. Shows him picking up Stephen Hicks. Off the side of the road. Because this is... That was the end of the movie. And... I looked at my friend, we were watching it together, one of my best friends, which she's actually going to be the guest on the Jeffrey Dahmer episode because she loves him as much as I do. We both are huge Dahmer fans. He's my number two. so. (laughs) Um, So when we watched that, we looked at each other and I was like, that was that was Stephen Hicks. That was yeah.
1: his first his first victim. Oh, I knew immediately when he picked him up. Oh, yeah.
0: So yeah. it was just it was very it was a very neat insight on the on the backstory of Dahmer. So I do
1: definitely recommend watching that film. I knew about the comic book before the movie came out. So if not many people know, it mm-hmm. was uh, based on a comic book that was drawn and written by Derf Backderf, which he is featured in the movie. He was in high school with Dahmer. So he knew, he befriended him his senior year (laughs) and started writing these drawings about him and kind of wrote this, after finding out about the murders, decided to take these drawings that he had saved and wrote this story about this just really awkward kid named Jeffrey Dahmer that he knew in high school. And it really does kind of give you an insight to this is kind of what we saw. This is this is kind of the making of what he was ultimately going to become. And how would you have known... Nobody really knew what to look for then. We didn't know. No. I mean, now, if your kid is fucking dissolving roadkill, you know, you're going to be like, uh... Dr. Phil, uh... Or somebody, you know, what the fuck I need my kid, you know? But back then... You know, his dad was a chemist, so his dad's like, oh, well, Jeffrey's just got a little hobby. You know, it's no big deal. You know, so no, nobody knew, nobody knew 40 years ago that that was the makings of a fucking serial killer Is gonna end up with skulls in his closet.
0: (laughs) That's actually why I feel like most serial killers that you hear about aren't modern. Right. Because they'll usually catch them. Now, because they have the criminal psychology and they have goodness, the we technology, good the technology. exactly FBI profilers.
1: We FBI profilers now that know what to look for. Yep. So, but they set the path for that exactly. So, anyway, not this segue a segue to this is a great episode. It was, it was very was awesome. very
0: factual. I I learned a lot from doing this. So this was
1: awesome. This yes. touched on so much that I love and. Like we both, there were ones that we virtually knew nothing about and learned so much. So, this is I
0: honestly had no idea anything about Dennis Nielsen, and very little about reading about little that one. was like it was like reading Dahmer a Dahmer copycat, is what I felt like I was written. I told you, didn't I tell you you were yeah. gonna love that guy? <laughs> I
1: was like, as much as you love Dahmer, this Dennis Nielsen dude, this is pretty crazy. The similarities are pretty nuts.
0: Well, so. we hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes. Next yes. week will be solidly about Ted Bundy.
1: Oh, you guys have no idea how excited <laughs> she's so I excited. Am about this. I am so happy. I am so. I have just. Uh, yeah, he is a fascinating character, guys. We're gonna um, talk
0: about him. We're
1: gonna talk about. We're gonna watch the documentary tomorrow. Yeah. So please, we will guys, cover the documentary um, too. If you have Netflix, um, if you don't, it's like what like 999 it has one up it's like $12 just, now. guys just steal somebody's fucking password okay <laughs> you know like what are we doing what are we doing here you you know what somebody that has netflix you know <laughs> so stop stop it <laughs> knock on your neighbor's wall and ask for their goddamn password uh anyway so it's so yeah confessions with a killer the Ted Bundy Tapes, it will be out tomorrow, Thursday, January 24th, which is also the 30-year anniversary of uh, Mr. Ted Bundy's execution. Yep. So, please watch, guys. We will be watching, and we cannot wait to bring you the episode next week. Hope you guys love it. Hope you guys loved this one. We loved doing yep. it. So Give us feedback. Let us know. Anything that you
0: would like to, more research on, um, it's all... I know you can find actually a picture of the Jonestown massacre that is actually on Google. If you would like me to post that, I can. Uh, like yeah, I said before, gonna I am going to post, gonna post gonna the post recording, that
1: thing, guys, so you guys can. Um...
0: But there is a picture of it as well. I'm gonna just I'm gonna let you Google that on your own um, because it's not
1: a great picture.
0: Um,
1: um, I also wanted to make a quick comment too, guys. Please keep. Please keep um, mentioning in the comments different stories that you guys want us to do on. Um, I don't remember the Twitter user, but we will give a shout-out next week. Uh, we'll have to look this up, and I'm sorry I didn't have this prepared. It just, like, popped up on top of my head. But someone mentioned um, Robert Hansen. Um, I think the user mistakenly called him Richard Hansen. It's actually Robert Hansen. Um, he was a very interesting serial killer that as soon as I read that in the comment, I immediately knew who he was. I know about his story. Shout out to whoever mentioned that. I promise you, we will find you on Twitter and we will give you a shout out next week. Um, we will do a story about him. Uh, he was very interesting. Um, I actually, when I Googled his name, there was a movie that came out a couple years ago, uh, where Mr. John Cusack of all people played him in the movie. So I need to find that movie and watch it because then we can even do a review of the movie. We can talk about the murder. So, uh, we will find out who that Twitter handle is, but thank you for the idea about Robert Hanson. We will somewhat later do an episode about him too. Um, and we will give you a shout out when we do. So we appreciate yes. that guys. If you ever have uh, podcast episode ideas, about, you know, want us to review a movie or a certain serial killer you want us to talk about or a certain paranormal topic or whatever, please please let us know because we will absolutely definitely do that for sure. Absolutely. Alright. Sure. Well we will see you guys next week. Alright guys, don't fuck with the original Wednesdays. We'll see you next Wednesday. Because Wednesdays are for podcasts. Wednesdays are for podcast. See ya.